Ephesians today. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13 today. Um, it's kind of picking up where we left off uh, 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 last week, right, where we talked about this mystery, the mystery of Christ last week, right? And the mystery was not that Gentiles would be allowed in. The mystery was that Gentiles and Jews would be equal, equal uh, inheritors of the gift of God, uh, equal brothers and sisters in that, uh, which to that point was a mystery. Most believed, and, and God gives us this, this um, gave us the, oh, the knowledge through Paul. He says it right there in the first part of chapter 3, uh, that yes, Gentiles would be allowed in, but Jews would have their special place. We talked a little bit about how, yes, God does play favorites. Now, I want to state this because I don't think it was fully clear uh, last week. I don't think I fully stated it clearly last week. God's playing of favorites is not the same way that we play favorites, right? Nothing that God does is the same way that we do it. Justice, wrath, mercy, grace, pick your favorite. It's not the same way because God is God and we are us. We are his creation and we're different and we are tainted by sin and things like that. So um, I wanted to make that clear that you're not less liked than the Jews. You just weren't the first people he chose. That was the line of Abraham back then, uh, way back when. So that's the mystery of Christ. And then we pick it up in verse 8. We pick it up in verse 8, uh, and, and uh, Paul says this. We're going to read 8 through 13. He reads, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart and my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. My dad's going to have a lot of stuff to edit out today because there's going to be a lot of breaks as I stop to drink water. So so let's dive into this. Our, our, our title for this one is The Eternal Purpose. I struggled for a little bit this week trying to figure out what was the main point of this, of this section. What's Paul trying to say that we can then apply to our lives? I think I found it. I think God gave it eventually. It took a lot of racking my herrings and bashing my head off a wall at times, but we'll see if we get there. So, the eternal purpose. Number one in your note sheets, the least. The least. Paul starts out and he says, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given. Paul, now, was Paul the most humble man in all of scripture, in all of time? No. The Bible tells us that was Abraham. It just so happens that Abraham's also the one that wrote that, but we won't talk about that. Because I could also say I'm the most humble man. But it seems here that Paul recognizes who he is. Paul knows his past. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how Paul says, don't forget where you came from. Don't dwell on it. Don't live in it. But don't forget. And Paul here does not, has not forgotten who he was. He was the man who held the coats as they stoned Stephen. He was the man who was on the way to kill Christians in Damascus when he's blinded by Christ. He is the man 
who thought he knew so much, but quickly found out he learned he knew so little. And he says, I am the very least, yet God gave me the grace, the gift to preach this to people. I'm here to tell you something as well. You are the least. Maybe you didn't hold a coat as somebody else was being stoned. Maybe you've never been on your way to kill people that disagree with you. Maybe you've never even been the person that thought they knew it all. I doubt that. We all were teenagers at one point. But we all have sin. And in the eyes of God, sin is sin. We all have it in our lives. We've all committed it in the past. We all have scars. We all have wounds. You and I are also the very least. The question then is, what do we do with that? Because Paul says, I'm the very least, but I'm not going to allow that to stop me from spreading Christ. In fact, I'm going to use it to spur me on because if Christ can save me, well, he can save you too. Some of you might be sitting there and you go, well, I don't have this testimony. You know, I was never into drugs or alcohol or this or that. The stuff that when, you, when you're listening to a speaker and they give their testimony, you go, oh, wow. Oh, God saved them from so much. It's so incredible. And it is. And you might sit there and you go, you know, Pastor, I've been in church my whole life. I accepted Christ when I was six years old. I was baptized at seven. I've lived a good life. I've been a good person. I don't have this testimony that God's had to pull me out of things hogwash he pulled you out of sin and that's what he pulled everybody that accepts him out of you might not have the thrilling tale but you have the end result which is what matters the tale doesn't matter what specific thing he's pulled you out of or multiple things isn't what matters it's that he did pull you out you see we've all been given this grace to preach Paul says to the Gentiles, most of us will be preaching to Gentiles as well. And if we take what the New Testament usually refers to as Jews and Gentiles, meaning saved and unsaved, then we all have been given the grace to preach to the Gentiles. Yes, most of us are not called to stand in front of people like I am right now. We like to say, well, I'm not called to ministry. And again, I say hogwash. We are all called to ministry. You just might not be called to vocational ministry. It might not be your paying job. But we are all called to preach to the Gentiles, to the people around us, to spread the gospel to everyone who's around because you don't know what they're in and it doesn't matter. There's nothing too dark that Christ can't reach his hands in and pull you out. Not a thing. There is only one unforgivable sin. One. It's dying without Christ as your Savior. That's it. That's the only thing that sends you to hell. Nothing else you've done in this life can stop you from going to heaven if you accept Christ. And the people need to know that. I've had so many friends and people around me that I say things to and they're like, well, you don't know what I've done in my past. You're right, I don't. And I don't care. And God doesn't care. He cares if you've accepted him. That's not to say there aren't consequences for our past actions. There are. But we've all been given this. We are all the least. 
commanded to bring the mystery of Christ to the people around us, just like Paul did. So number one was the least. Number two, the eternal purpose. Number two, the eternal purpose. I want to point out the plan for eternity was there from the beginning. There was never a point at which Christ was not going to be the Savior. There wasn't a point in history where God went, well, looks like I got to change up the plan that I had. We say that God is omniscient, right? All-knowing. That does not just mean that he knows everything. It means he knows everything perfectly. It means he knows the outcome of every decision, whichever way it is made. That's a ton of knowledge, right? Like that's unfathomable to us. But it means he knows what the repercussions and the future is going to be if I just walk out of the room right now and decide to never be a pastor again. He knows what that future is. He knows what the future is if Joe Biden is president. He knows what the future is if Donald Trump is president. He knows what the future is no matter what happens. Which also means then he picks the perfect plan. And the plan is from the very beginning. Because he knows everything. Now you might say, Pastor, doesn't that take away our free will? One day we'll talk about free will in a little bit more. But let me say this. You have the free will to choose certain things. Yes, you do. He just knows which way you're going to choose because he knows everything. So there you go. So the plan from the very beginning was for Christ. Yes, he chooses the line of, of Abraham, which, by the way, seeds David, which, by the way, comes Jesus. See the plan from the very beginning. Here's the other part of the plan. Part of the plan that I love about Jesus was Jesus 100% Jewish. No, because Ruth was not a Jew. She was a Moabite. And he came from the line of Ruth as well, from the line of Jesse. I love that little tidbit. Because we like to point out he was a Jew and he was. But even then, to the people that were watching, it showed God was including other people in the plan. Not just his chosen people. This applies to the, the line of salvation, the plan of salvation, but it also applies to everything that's happening. The plan was set out from the beginning. From the beginning. So we don't have to worry about where this plan goes. There's not a, you know, you know we say, well, we get thrown a curveball sometimes. God is never thrown for a curveball. He's never thrown for a loop. It's never anything that shocks him. Because he knows it's going to happen. And he's known since before time began. The other thing we see is it all comes back to Christ. I lost my verse. There we go. Verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was the vessel. You know, I, had a, I, I teach chapel on Fridays for the school here. Uh, I do it so that they don't have to bring somebody new in each week and then have to go through COVID testing and all that kind of stuff. It's great. I love doing it. And I always leave time at the end for questions. And so this past week, one of the kids raises their hands. He goes, Sam, what was Jesus, what was God doing before he created everything? You said he's eternal, so he he's, uh, had no beginning, had no end. What was he doing before that? And I said, well, first off, stop thinking about God in human terms. 
God doesn't exist within our plane of thought and idea. Two, God exists outside of time, which he created. Hence why he exists outside of it. So, it's very possible that the time, the infinite amount of time before when he created everything, really didn't seem like that long to him. But I also think maybe, just maybe, he had a conversation with himself, but somebody actually talked back, and not in a, uh, in a weird way, right? My dad always says, it's okay to talk to yourself, just don't answer back. But I think maybe he had a conversation with Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, you know the plan, and Jesus goes, yup, and he goes, so you ready? We're going to save these creation of my, this creation of mine, my favorite creation. We read just a few verses earlier that he creates all things. The plan was through Jesus the entire time. And just like everything in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, it comes back to Christ and what he did. And we see that the eternal purpose was for Christ to come to live, to die, and to rise again so that we could be part of the everlasting not the eternal. You and I are not eternal. I think I've explained this before, but I'll explain it again, right? Eternal means no beginning, no end. Everlasting means a beginning and no end. You and I are everlasting. God is eternal. So God had an eternal plan so that we could be part of the everlasting one. This also allows us, and this is where I... I, I, I beat around a little bit of whether I wanted to name it something along these lines, but uh, number C there under number two, we can approach with boldness and with confidence. How often do we pray like this? Oh God, Father, if you would just kind of, I mean, I know, but if you, you could just do this. Instead of, Father, I know you've got a will, I know you've got a plan, I'm asking that you do this. Approach with the boldness of a kid asking a question. That's the boldness that you're supposed to have. Not a kid that's a little bit older and therefore has been taught they need to fear to ask questions. No, no. Ask God for things and approach the throne room with the boldness of the six-year-old who doesn't know any better yet. We all know him. Maddie and I last Friday, last Friday, I was looking at Linnea because she'll know, took Jack's out for dinner. We had promised him we'd take him to Chinese, so we did. It was a great time. This was not my first experience with a young lad. He's five now. But it was my second experience, just him and I, well, Maddie was here as well, but in the car. And I learned a very important lesson. Kids don't stop talking when they're in the car. And he asked a question about everything. And it was great. I'm sure it's not as great when it's literally every day. I'm sure it gets annoying. But for Uncle Sam, for an hour, it was great. And he asked about everything. And, you know, he was fine when I said, Jax, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I don't know. And he'd go, hmm, okay. Now, what about, but he asked questions just willy-nilly. And he wanted an answer. I taught him about oxygen and hydrogen because he asked where water comes from. And I sat there silent for a minute because I went, well, I could just give the answer. You know, God created it, which he did, of course. But then I went, no, this kid's smart. Does he know what oxygen and hydrogen are? Nah, he doesn't know. I mean, he probably knows what oxygen is. But you know what? 
Hey, buddy, when two elements, they're called oxygen and hydrogen, come together, it forms water. He goes, oxygen? Yeah. Hydrogen? Yeah. Didn't say it quite as perfectly, but close enough. Huh. Okay. He'll ask whatever and whenever. You can have that boldness and confidence with God as well. And you will never get an answer of, I don't know, buddy. You'll never get that answer from God. But you can approach because of the eternal purpose. You might get a no. In fact, you, I won't say might, you will get many, many, many no's. But the very fact that we can approach. I challenge you in your prayer life. Talk to God like you're a kid talking to their parent. Approach him and just ask the questions in boldness. But you know, they ask and it's not a, well, can you do this? It's not a haughty sort of way. It's with this faith that is so pure that you know you can approach with confidence. I think that's something that the church has lost over the generations. We're not confident in who we are anymore. We're not confident in who Christ has made us. It doesn't mean we demand things of God. We don't get that luxury. God's not a genie that we make a wish and it, poof, is going to happen. But we have the confidence to approach the throne room perfectly and in boldness. Number three, we're almost done. We're almost done. So number one was the least. Number two, the eternal purpose. Number three, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. It's one verse, verse 13, but I think it gets overlooked. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart in my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. couple things, we've talked about this a lot. You will face tribulation. There will be tribulation. If you are not currently facing some form of tribulation, one of two things is happening. One, God is being kind and he's giving you a time to rest before he throws something else at you. It happens. He allows us that rest time sometimes. Or two, you're not really actually following him that far, that hard, so Satan doesn't care. Why would he cause you tribulation, which would cause you to run back to God then? You might want to ask which one it is. You will face trials and tribulation. They come. As I said, we did a sermon series where I said this every single sermon. Life sucks. One of the things my dad has taught me, he's taught me so many things. One of the things my dad has taught me is this. Life sucks, then you die. I'm 26 years old. I have learned life sucks. I'm not dead yet. It does because there's tribulations, there's trials, things happen in life. It's just the nature of it because of sin, because of this fallen world that we live in. But as well, it's there to drive us closer to Christ, to make us more like Christ. So there will come tribulation. So one, don't be surprised at it. Don't be like, God, why is this happening to me? It's happening to everybody else too. I say that to people all the time. We have, I know somebody that is constantly complaining because their industry got shut down because of COVID. And my response to them is, what makes you think you're any different than the millions of other people that were without a job because of COVID? Get in line or go get a job at McDonald's. They're still open because you can't catch COVID when you're getting McNuggets. I'll stand by that truth. 
But it, it, life happens to everybody. So don't ever be like, God, why is this happening to me? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying not to ask God, why have you placed this in my life? But don't be the whiny little kid that's like, why is this me? Nobody likes a whiner. Nobody. Secondly, recognize that it's part of the plan. There is an eternal plan, and it's part of it. Paul says, therefore, because you know this stuff, don't be discouraged because of the tribulations that I'm facing. And it's the same thing. Don't be discouraged because of the tribulations that you're facing. Oh, yeah, I forgot we were doing that at the end. We already did it, but we'll do it again. We're finishing up. Recognize that it's all part of the plan. And in those tribulations, try to see where the plan is leading in your life, in the lives of the people around you, and in the world around you. We're facing certain things together. It's part of being a body. Recognize there is an eternal purpose, and a purpose for what's happening. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We praise you. We, we thank you that you give us this eternal purpose, that you don't expect us just to walk blindly through life, wondering what's going to happen. You, you say, listen, yes, I'm only going to illuminate one step, but there's also the illumination of the very end. There's a purpose, and it's salvation through Christ. We praise you, Father, and we ask that in these times when we're facing things, that you would allow us to see it and see the end path. We thank you, Father, and it's in the name of your Son we pray. Amen and amen.